This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A swing and a high fly ball. Deep right field. It's a slam. This is a Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show presented by Amron. How about the old Uncle Charlie here? pitch. Swing and a miss. Through the fastball right by him and he strikes him out for the third time. And that's eight K's for the Cardinal Hurdle. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show. Presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. From Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside of Ballpark Village, welcome to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day. We are presented by Amron. By this time next week, we will be uh, having our first show in Jupiter after Cardinals workouts, Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you, and we're joined by Cardinals General Manager Mike Gersh. First, Claves, how are you? How's everything down in Florida, man? Well, we're all ready for you to get here. A lot of things going on as far as the aesthetics around Roger Dean. Uh, a few players are here working out on their own. So uh, it, it's starting to happen, Chris. Even we have autograph seekers already here as well as they wait for players to come out uh, from the facility. So we're, we're just about ready to go. Oh, what a treat that is for the players. Mike Gersh is going to be with us this hour. And, uh, Mike, I know an exciting time for you as well. While your role has changed uh, a little bit over the last few months, what's it like for you to turn the page to February to start to pack the bags and, and to start to get excited to see what you guys have on the field, at least in a spring training capacity? Yeah, I think uh, I think excitement's the key word there. I think um I'm excited to get down to Florida and and start baseball season again. You know, especially the, with this weather, right? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't hurt when the weather's lousy. Um, it it just feels like time for baseball to start. You know, it, it, the off season's long, and uh, we're excited for the team. We're excited for the season. Excited to see what these guys look like when we get out in the field. And it's it just feels like it's time for uh, for that to get going. Mike, it's been a long off season. A lot of things have unfolded, but. As you probably write down combinations and ideas and things along that line, once we get to spring training, what are you most excited about and what are you looking forward to seeing more than anything else? Well, I think the thing that's always most exciting is to see the new players. Um, just just in general, you know, seeing we're spoiled by Yachty and Wayno and Carp. We, 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 know, we know what they can do. We know what they look like. And so... It's the guys like Ozuna, who we've seen a ton because we seem like we play the Marlins every other day during spring training. But uh, seeing him, you know, in our uniform on our side, um, you know, seeing Nicholas, seeing Gregerson, even a guy like Tyler O'Neill, who we, we had in the system for a while last year. You know, he I saw him play a couple games in Memphis. Our big league staff hasn't seen him at all yet. I mean, th- th- there's excitement just for the, the guys who haven't been around yet and get, get a chance to see them play. You know, uh, before we take our first break and, and get into what you guys have done this offseason, Klebs mentioned it as far as Roger Dean is concerned, um, some of the aesthetics. I saw that uh, the new half infield is now named Oz after Ozzie Smith, I suppose. I was there for fantasy camp. Uh, saw some of the improvements to the weight room, some of the things that you guys have done uh, around that facility. I know that it can be complicated because of the setup and 
because of what the Marlins do as well. But uh, the fact that you guys are able to continue to uh, improve that facility and keep that facility not just what it is for spring training, but for guys who are there basically all winter, how important is that to you as an organization, Mike? Yeah, it's something that we've talked a lot about, um, trying to make our facility a year-round facility and making it available to players, not just, you know, there are, it's been, we've had players on there year-round for years in terms of rehabs and guys who need to be there, but making it a place where players want to be year-round, uh, you know, improving the weight room, having people available, having staff on site every day during the, the, during the off-season, you know, always having a catcher there to catch a bullpen or a guy to throw BP, just having all those assets available to the players. And let's be honest, I mean, Jupiter is a beautiful, a beautiful place to spend, spend a winter, right? And so it's not a tough sell. You know, to get guys down there, and and you know, I, I'm sure Claves can mention. There, there's a bunch of guys already down there. Yeah. And there's some oh, have been yeah. down there for months. Some have been down there for just a few days. But it's something that we're you know we've invested. We're trying to invest in the in the setup and in, in the you know facility so that we can sort of make that a year-round facility as much as possible. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we will talk about some of the off-season uh, acquisitions from the Cardinals. We're going to. Uh, also, uh, kind of work through what we expect this spring. Talk about the pitching, talk about the lineup, all of that and more with Cardinals general manager Mike Gersh. Hey, Cardinals fans, treat your sweetheart to dinner in a Cardinals game with all-inclusive tickets featuring excellent seats, a full buffet, and complimentary bar service. This week only games in May. Available starting at just $65. Get your all-inclusive tickets today at cardinals.com. We're back in a moment from Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside of Ballpark Village on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals countdown to opening day. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. Mike Gersh is our guest all this hour. The Cardinals Kids Club is presented by Rawlings Sporting Goods and is the exclusive fan club for Cardinals fans age 13 and under. Tremendous membership benefits include two tickets to a 2018 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only autograph party at Bush Stadium, and much more. For more information, visit cardinals.com slash Kids Club. Uh, Gersh, I want to go back to um, the last time that uh, we had you on the show and spent some time together, the winter meetings uh, in Orlando, back at the start of December. And obviously those meetings started with an introductory press conference for John Carlos Stanton and the Yankees. A couple of days later, as the meetings wrap up, you guys finalize your acquisition of Marcelo Zuna from the Marlins. As you look back right now, the way that all of that uh, played out. Just kind of, if, if you don't mind, reflect on that process, uh, maybe how it played out with you and Miami in terms of what they knew about you, what you knew about them as you had ongoing discussions, and then what that meant for your pivot and eventually your acquisition of Ozuna. Yeah, I think I think um, anytime you spend a lot of time with a team talking about any sort of transaction, especially in, in this case, where in both cases it was you know a present all-star caliber player for future value, right? So we spent a lot of time with Miami identifying players that in our farm system that they liked. So um, when we did pivot to to focus on Ozuna, it, it wasn't – we weren't starting from square one. Like, we, we had discussed – all the players that ended up in that trade had been discussed in various ways and various combinations, you know, it, it, over the previous several weeks, right? And so – um, I think after they got Stanton done to the Yankees and they pivoted to Ozuna, they probably had to invest more time with some teams because they had to see, you know, look through their farm system and figure out what they were interested in. But with us, we we were pretty we were pretty quick to sort of see where this was going to head, and it was just a matter of whether that was what, you know, was going to work for them. And uh, it worked out great for us. I think, you know, 
Marcelo Zuna had really kind of a ridiculously good season last year. He, he, he was the gold glove in left field. He was the silver slug, slugger in left field. He was an all-star. He he got all MVP votes. He, you know, he drove in 120-something runs. I mean, he had a excellent season, um, and we're excited. It, it, it's, a, it's a great fit for us, and, and we're excited to have him, and, and he is a great guy. We we heard, Everything we heard about him was positive, and once we made the trade, we heard even more positive from more people yeah. who sort of came out of the woodwork to tell us what a great addition he was, how he's going to fit in with the with the team, and how the fans would love him, and all that stuff. So it, we end up in a really good place. Mike, for you, uh, you've been doing deals for a while. Um, how do these come about? I mean, is it something that you have to nurture over time, or is it something that you just it, the time is right and it doesn't take a lot a lot of dialogue to go back and forth to figure out what you want to do? Uh, walk us through the process if you can. You know, every deal is different, and and it depends on you know it depends on the situation both teams are in. I think. Again, when you talk about our conversations um, with the Marlins, you know they started out they were long and slow, and it was a slow process, and and uh, and then they ended up moving Stanton to the Yankees, and the phase to to get the Ozuna deal done was relatively quick, and it was more about them, you know, contacting other teams to see what other teams might offer, as opposed to us sort of again starting from scratch on the players, whereas you know other trades, you know. They sometimes they, they come together quickly. Things like the 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 Piscotti trade, we sort of were at the winter meetings, um, closing in on acquiring Ozuna, which made moving Piscotti sort of almost almost a mandatory move, which we sort of knew going into the offseason was likely, and um, and that one happened relatively quickly in the matter of you know I don't know, maybe thirty six hours from when we sort of started reaching out to teams saying, Hey, we're we're serious about moving this guy, you know, what do you what are you offering to to when we had, you know, an agreement. Now then there's physicals and all the other stuff that adds on to the back end. But uh, the timing just depends on sort of where both teams are in, in their decision making process. And sometimes people are ready to move and sometimes they're not. Ozuna obviously came up at a young age to the big leagues. I had a scout tell me he hits the best pitching in baseball as well as any player in baseball and he's gotten better at that. As you see his progression, especially over the last three years, what excites you most from an offensive standpoint about not only what he is, but what you think he can continue to grow into given his age and his skill set, Mike? Yeah, I think he's a guy that, you know, we talked about, you know, when we were talking about him, we, we all sort of commented on how, like, when in spring training for the last several years, he was one of those guys that you were sort of in awe of the potential, right? He had all the tools, all the potential in the world. Um, and he really put it together last year. And the year before, he actually had put together a really good, yeah. I mean, really a great first half. Got, I think he got hit in the wrist. He ended up on the DL. He tried to come back. He, he you know, he just he, he scuffled in the second half, and and it made what had been a great start to the season. What probably was his breakout season was sort of muddled by the fact that he kind of scuffled. Or delayed, yeah. Yeah, he scuffled around with his with some poor performance after the injury. And it, and so what you know, last year now looks like the breakout, but it's it's actually been going for for, for two seasons now, and he, yeah, he has the potential to be to be a, you know the kind of you know well-rounded slugger that that you know you want in the middle of your lineup. He he takes his walks, he's he strikes out like everyone does in baseball these days, but not at an alarming rate. He has plower, he has he's he's fast, he's a good defender, he's a good base runner, he, he's he's a well-rounded guy. And he's young, like you said. He's been around for a while, but he's still only, I think, 27. Maybe hadn't even turned 27 yet, which, you know, is right in the prime of his career. So, Mike, yeah, it's pretty. You... Go ahead, Chris. 
Well, I was, I was just going to say, it's it's exciting to, to see how he projects, not just offensively, but I don't know if, you know, we know about the gold glove, but I don't know if he gets enough credit for his defense. And, and also, I don't want this to sound like I'm diminishing him, but what, what a capable runner he is, what a good base runner he is. I don't know if he's ever going to steal 30 bases, but just what an asset he can be in another area where you guys have maybe come up a little bit short the last couple of years. Yeah, he, he's been a center fielder for most of his career up until last year he moved to the corner and, and won the gold glove. So he's he's not a, you know, station to station, you know, swing for the fences and, and offer nothing else. He's a he's an athlete and, and that that plays through on his defense, his base running, you know, all throughout his game. Mike, for, for you, are, are you surprised that we don't have more movement as we get closer to our opening day of uh, spring training? I know there's been a lot of grousing on both sides of the fence with regard to the lack of movement, and, and there's a number of different reasons why. But, but for you, are you surprised? I mean, certainly this is a unique year to have this many free agents still available this close to the spring training. So um, I think anyone who tells you that they're not surprised at how things have played out would be would be lying. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely different. And that's about all you can say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> well, it is, it's, well it's, it's kind of a touchy situation, too, because especially in this day and age with the media and social media, I mean, shots can be fired uh, across the bow uh, at any given moment. And I know that there's a lot of frustrations. Um, Brandon Moss, though, one of your former players, he went on MLB Network the other day and said, we kind of did this to ourselves. I mean, I understand that everyone wants to point a finger or fans want things to happen, but, you know, at this point there have got to be reasons and and logical reasons, I guess, for all parties involved on why we are where we are. And, you know, it's like any other job, I guess. Uh, Both sides have to come to an agreement for there to be an accord. Yeah. At the end of the day, unless both sides are, are, are happy, there, there's a sort of a stalemate, right? Um, the, 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 the issue is, that this has become a big issue. And, I, I mean, you guys both know that we don't talk about free agency. We don't talk about players. This, this has become sort of a, a, a industry issue that is just me making any comments is sort of a no-win situation. So, Cardinals General Manager Mike Gersh is with us. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. We'll talk about some of the players that we can't speak to when we come back. I want to start with the pitching, a couple of acquisitions a couple of young players that the Cardinals will have in camp. Uh, a big guy coming back from an injury. We'll do that next. When we return, we are at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. We're back with more for this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. We are back at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. Mike Gersh, Cardinals General Manager, is our guest. Let's give away some tickets right now to watch some hoops. Six ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2018 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament, March 1st through 4th. For more information on the MVC Conference games, visit archmadness.com. Fifth caller at 314-531-1120 wins a six-pack of vouchers right now. Uh, Gersh, let's talk pitching. And I know from, from talking to you guys, especially at the winter meetings, that you and your staff and John Mozeliak are bullish on, on what you guys have, especially in the starting rotation, the depth that you will bring to Jupiter. I know so often we uh, spend all off season trying to count through who the starters are going to be, and things might look a lot different uh, over the next month or so. But as you survey what you have, what you've seen at the major league level over the last year or so, uh, who you brought in, Miles Michaelis, and, and what you have, and guys that you think are going to 
be competing for roles. Uh, what excites you about the group of arms from a starting standpoint that uh, you're going to see starting next week? I, I think I think one of the things that excites us is the, is the depth, especially the the young depth. Um, I, you know, look, we got Carlos is is one of the best pitchers in the National League, with chance to be one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, has sort of unlimited potential. So that that's a great start to any rotation to have an ace like that at the top. Um, you know, Waka has shown that he can stay healthy and be effective, and he's been very effective at times, and he was able to stay healthy that last year, and he feels like he's in a spot where he understands, you know, his body, and he's in a, in a good position to stay healthy and, and perform again. Um, you know, Weaver has shown that he can be a, a very effective big league pitcher. He did it He did it a little bit in 16 in, in his short, uh, you know, opportunity there, and he pitched really well again last year, and there's really no reason to think that he can't step right into the middle of the rotation and, 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 and succeed. Miles um, Miklas is one of these guys that, you know, it, I, if we had signed a Asian player who had pitched as well as he had in Japan for the last three years, I think there, the 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 excitement and the and the attitude towards him would be very different. There is a little bit of a like, well, we saw this guy in the big leagues like four years ago, and he was he 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 wasn't very good. Like, why should we believe that he's good now? But he pitched as well in Japan as anyone. It has pitched over there in the last several years. He, he, his strikeout rate was great. He improved his yeah, in command. In a league where it's not necessarily easy to strike yeah. players out. Yeah, it's a contact-oriented league. That's It's not a big power league. It's much more contact-oriented than, than the big leagues. And he, he improved his command. He improved his walk rate. He improved his strikeout rate. He, he he just he pitched really well in Japan for the last two, two seasons in particular. And even his three seasons ago, he was much better than he had been in, in the U.S. And, you know, guys who pitch really well in Japan who've come over here, have pitched really well in the states. Like it, it, it translates, and 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 we have, we have scouted him. We have we have, we've looked at the data. We have no reason to expect him to do anything but come over here and pitch, like a you know like a mid mid rotation guy and and step right in. So that's exciting. And of course we have got Wainwright and Reyes and you know Flaherty and a whole bunch of guys you know to to round out and provide us that depth. So we're in good, we're we're excited about where we are. And, and with that said, Mike, uh, with spring training with so many pitchers that you feel good about. I think the challenge today is trying to find quality innings for pitchers uh, because you, you don't see the good lineups like you used to throughout spring training. You see a lot of minor league guys that are, that are probably getting more at-bats and more innings than maybe what they should. So how do you guys try and formulate a, an approach to get quality innings for these pitchers and get a good look at them to make sure uh, they're not dealing with falsehoods with respect to the competition they're facing? Yeah, I think I think there's there's sort of multiple components to what we're trying to accomplish in spring training, and I think the biggest component for most players is preparation. It's it's not so much evaluation of how they're doing against you know major league quality competition. It's getting the repetitions, you know, building up the arm strength, getting in the routine of pitching every five days, getting stretched out, and and that happens kind of regardless of who we're playing against, right? If we're playing a split squad team that shows up with a, a bunch of guys who, you know, aren't on the 40-man roster, then that's so be it. You know, if you need to throw 60 pitches that day and get through your three innings as part of your process, that that's fine. Now, there are other players, especially our younger guys, who are trying to make an impression, right, who are trying to, to kind of, you know, perform in front of the big league staff. And for those guys, you have to sort of keep keep track of who they're facing and whether they're pitching in the – you know, first inning of a game against the starters or whether they're pitching the seventh inning of a game against, you know, the guys who wear, you know, number 87 and number 92 on the back of their jersey. So, uh, 
But for the most part, we're focused on getting our pitchers ready, and that that is less critical to have you know specific quality of competition. For uh, a guy like Weaver, who you saw last year have a stretch uh, in the middle of the season as dominant as any pitcher in a major league baseball, and really have a lot of ease throughout those starts in terms of the situations he was in, the pitches he was throwing, the counts he was getting into. How do you balance the workload uh, that you know he can take on this year, not pushing him too far and kind of keeping the next couple of years in mind versus if he gets off to a great start this year and, again, he's getting through games with, I don't want to say ease because I'm not sure that ever happens at the big league level, but, you know, he's not facing a lot of those taxing innings or those high-stress innings or high-stress situations. How do you balance that versus maybe what your expectations were for him coming out of uh, hopefully a successful spring going into the regular season? Yeah, I think I think when Luke pitches well, he's he's very efficient. He's he is not a he he has good command. He throws strikes. He gets ahead. He, he's he's an efficient guy when things are going well, and that allows him to to go somewhat deeper into games on relatively low pitch counts. And so, you know, one of the things that we try to do, the default answer for workload is always innings pitched, right? But I guess could your expectation change? What it was at the end of the spring versus what it is maybe in, in June based on his first two months. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like all these guys, uh, you know, every pitcher has the opportunity to pitch themselves into the opportunity to be allowed to go deeper into games and to, and to take on more responsibility. You know, more more uh, more of the workload. Um, it just depends on, you know, again, not just innings, but like you said, high stress innings. You know, how, you know, a hundred pitches over eight and a third innings is a lot different than a hundred pitches over five and a third innings, right? And so, it you know, you gotta you gotta factor all that in, but. But Luke's been working on on gaining strength and gaining and gaining weight. He's 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 a thin, you know. He's, he hasn't he's not the prototypical big you know horse of a starting pitcher. And he spent the offseason trying to get bigger, which I suspect when we see him, we'll still say like. No, yeah, he, I saw him today. He looks like he he. I won't say he's bulked up, but he looks like he can fill out a, a jersey a little bit better than what he did last year. He had a. I, I wish someone would tell me to spend an offseason. Gaining weight. Yeah, he said I'd all be... he was doing was eating. I'm like, man, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, where do I sign up for that as my uh, as my off season project? But yeah, he he's been working on it. That's one of the things he knows he needs to work on is his is his ability to take on that starter's workload. You know, you have Luke, and then you have Flaherty, and while you have such the track record of over the last few years drafting and developing guys out of college like Luke and Marco Gonzalez and and Michael Waka and and guys who took a pretty similar path to the big leagues. Flaherty took a similar path over a similar period of time, but should have been a junior in college last year, whatever it yeah. was, when he yeah. made his debut. What what was uh, maybe most encouraging to you last year? The steps he took from 16 to 17, Mike, against some of the best hitters in, in the Texas League and, and then AAA that allowed him to eventually get up to the big leagues and, and spend some time around this club and, and get a little taste of Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think I think when you draft a high school pitcher – um, you hope that you hope that they progress, and then most of the time you need them to have like the big step forward, right? At some point they kind of they usually need to take like that one big step forward, and and um, uh, you know Jack's been when we drafted Jack, he pitched fine his first partial season. He went to Peoria, he pitched fine. He was a good. I mean, he was young for the level and pitched well. He went to Florida State League and he pitched well. Um, and we always felt like there was a little bit more, a little bit more velocity, a little bit more command, that there's a little bit more. And last year he came out and he sort of 
ticked up in every possible way in terms of velocity, in terms of his command, in terms of his breaking pitch, in terms of his sort of having a plan on the mound and, 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 and becoming a pitcher and not a thrower. I mean, as a as again, like you said, he should have been starting his junior year at, you know, I don't know what school he was committed to. It was Carolina. It was it Carolina? So he, he would have been, you know, started his junior year in college, and instead he was, he was you know, kind of dominating double-A and then pitching really well at triple-A and getting his first taste of the big leagues. And I think that's sort of the ideal path for a high school. You can't hope for much more than that for a, for a high school draft pick. Mike, one of the things uh, before we go to the break that we hear so much about is pitch count, and um, the, the number 100 seems to be the, the standard. How did we arrive at that particular number, and do we put too much emphasis on pitch count compared to, I think you kind of touched on a little bit earlier, uh, the, the stress level of pitches that you throw? Yeah, I, you know, I think we arrived on 100 because it's a nice round number. Like, I, I don't think there was a whole lot of science when people started. We tend to do anchoring. that in sports. Yeah, we have 10 fingers and 10 toes, yeah. so <laughs> find them all full of 10. Um, I, 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 think, I think as an industry, we've, we've tried, I think, to become more, um, more willing to say, like, th- there's not one answer. It's a different answer for each player. Different players have different you know, abilities to keep their velocity and keep their effectiveness deep into games. But, but I think the most important thing is that, you know, pitch counts are, are, are you know, pitch counts with men on base are, are a different stress level than pitch counts with the bases empty. And, and, you know, a whole bunch of 12 pitch innings is a different, a different animal than a couple of 25 or 30 pitch innings. And, um, you know, pitch count's an easy way to keep track of these things. It's sort of a good default. It's, it's certainly better than not keeping track at all, but I, I do think it's, it's more complex than that. And, it's something that we're always trying to get our heads around using actual analytics, like looking at fatigue, looking at how players recover, and, and do a better job of quantifying how, how that fatigue you know, accumulates over the course of the game. Well, Leno talked a couple of years ago about having to learn as a pitcher and as a pitcher who you know, is a Cy Young caliber guy, at some point when you're 0-2, 1-2, you don't have to waste three or four more pitches trying to strike a guy out. And if you can get a ground ball – especially at the rate that your pitchers a couple of years ago when you guys set almost historic numbers got them. That's a really good thing for a team. It's a really good thing for a defense. And I'm sure at some point that could be fairly hard to convey to young guys. Weaver said as much as first time up in 16. You have to learn that if you're a dominant pitcher in AA and AAA, if you're 0-2-1-2, you're not going to get a big leaguer to swing and miss at a pitch that maybe they would in the minors. And I remember a game against Arizona last year. I think it was the first game Luke came up last year when – he kind of ran into that problem. I think he had Goldschmidt and he had J.D. Martinez, was ahead of both of them, and climbed back into the count. Goldschmidt walked, and then Martinez did a grand slam over the right field fence. And after he came back up the second time, he said, you need to learn things about pitching to big league hitters, regardless of where they are in the lineup, compared to being the head in the count against guys in double-A AA and triple-A. It's just a, it's a completely different animal, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think that's right. There, there's a lot of cases where when you get ahead – some so guys who have like well above average pitches, right? Like like Weaver with his changeup, or Waka with his changeup, or you know guys, you know Rosie with his hundred round hour fastball. When you're in the minor leagues and you get ahead in the count, like the batter can know that pitch is coming and they can't do anything about yeah. it. They're, they're sort of defenseless. And in the big leagues, first of all, if they know a pitch is coming, that's you know a breaking pitch in the dirt, they'll just lay off of it. And you'll see guys spit on pitches that you know are like seemingly like. That's a t- that's a that's impressive, but they're not they're patient. They can recognize pitches better, um, and so 
a lot of times when you first come up to the big leagues, you got to learn to trust your stuff, right? There, in, in the minors, you can get away with throwing things in dirt or keeping the ball out of the middle of the zone, and guys will chase it. If you do that in the big leagues and they don't chase it, you're going to get yourself in positions where you're, you're, you're no longer ahead in the count. you got to throw you got to throw something, you know, that's hittable, and then you get yourself in trouble. Whereas if you trust your stuff and, and say, like, I, you know, it might be Goldschmidt, but if I know if I throw a good curveball in the zone, I don't have to bury it out of the zone. Right. Throw one in the zone. Uh, that, you know, he's not going to swing at the one out of the zone anyway, so I might as well, if I'm going to throw this, I might as well put it in a spot where, you know, I might get the called strike and, and trust your stuff and trust that you can that your stuff's good enough to get big league hitters out in the zone because you can't live out of the zone up here. All right, that's Cardinals GM Mike Gersh. One more segment. When we come back, we'll talk about the lineup and uh, some of the position players. We get ready for spring training next week in Jupiter on Cardinals Countdown to opening day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, Cards fans, treat your sweetheart to dinner and a Cardinals game with all-inclusive tickets featuring excellent seats, a full buffet, and complimentary bar service. This week, only games in May. Available starting at just 65 bucks. Get your all-inclusive tickets today at Cardinals.com. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne joined uh, for one more segment with Cardinals General Manager Mike Gersh. And, Claibs, I know as well, as we get set for the baseball season and getting down to Jupiter, one of our great colleagues and the voice of the Cardinals is uh, receiving a nice award tonight. Yeah, that's right, Chris. Uh, John Rooney is uh, receiving the uh, Tom Hammond Sports Media Award. Uh, it's the Bluegrass Sports Commission in Lexington, Kentucky, for uh, basketball broadcasters. And as you know, John's had a very storied career behind the microphone and called a number of Final Fours, and he's getting some national recognition tonight. So we want to congratulate him, and hopefully he'll have a good time down in Lexington, Kentucky. Very cool. Congratulations to John. Uh, Klebs, I figured we'd use this last segment to kind of uh, open up, talk a little bit about the lineup, but also some of the uh, things that we're curious about and that I know uh, Cardinal fans have been asking us about as we get ready for next week. Well, that, there's a lot of things, yeah, that they, they talk to us about. And one of the things that I hear a great deal, I know you do too, Chris, is as the game is changing how teams value assets and value players, Mike, I'll, I'll ask you this, uh, and let's just use as a as an everyday player, uh, what statistic probably do you not pay as much attention to compared to something that you find that probably suits the bill a little bit more to what you think is a, a good player? Broadcaster salary. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I think the way the way I well, the way I sometimes describe this to people is. We're in the business of trying to predict future performance, and there are a lot of statistics in baseball that are best designed to describe what happened in yesterday's game. And those are really important in describing what happened, but they're not great predictors of future performance necessarily. So, for example, um, a hitter's RBIs, that is generally a good indicator because in order to get RBIs, you probably had to do something positive. You had to get a hit. You had to do something. But... A, a decent part of RBIs is having people on base when you come up to come up to the plate, and that's not something that you control, and that's not something that, that you know, depending on where the manager chooses to slot you in the lineup, will affect your RBIs. And so, we focus less on RBIs than 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 we probably did, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. And same thing for things like you know, uh, pitchers wins, right? It, look, at the end of the day, the game, the, the whole purpose of this is to get wins. So I don't want to imply in any way that winning games is not important. But a pitcher, a starting pitcher controls what he can control, which is his performance in the you know six or seven or eight innings that he pitches. 
he doesn't control the defense. He doesn't control how how many runs his offense scores for him. He doesn't he doesn't control how the guy who comes in from the bullpen does with his stranded runners. You know, there's there's a whole lot of things that go into whether you win or lose the game that aren't really under the control of the starting pitcher. And so similarly, we're looking at things that we think best predict future performance, and that's things more like you know batting average, on base, slugging for for um, for hitters, uh, strikeout rate, walk rate, ERA for pitchers. You know, things that that when we look at what the guy's going to do next year or next week, we think are better predictors than than uh, some of the more context-dependent stats. You know, we were just talking in the break about some of the projections for next year that a lot of the different publications put out. And I wonder for you, not only as the general manager of the Cardinals, but as a baseball fan, how you ingest these and how you process them to compare not only what people think of your team, but of your competition, similar to maybe how – uh, a director or a film producer um, or a record executive takes in information from critics regarding what they put out. Yeah, you know, I, I read I read as much baseball stuff as I can. I feel like part of my job is to know what is going on in the industry, not just the industry in, in terms of, you know, free agent market rumors, but the industry in terms of baseball analytics, projections, evaluations of players, scouting, you know, whatever we can learn about other teams and, and other systems is, is always a positive. And so um, we have, we, we, I, you know, I, I've seen, I don't know, four or five different systems who've got projections for next season in various, you know, player-specific or team totals or what have you. And we, we always look at those. And, and sometimes, we, sometimes we learn something, a little something, about a type of player that we may be valuing differently, and it, it makes it sends us back to our own models to make sure that, we're happy with how we're, you know, how we're evaluating, you know, th- things like the change in the home run rate, the change in the strikeout rate, right? Like you're, we're always trying to keep up with the current state of the game, and, and that's a, sort of a never-ending battle of chasing, you know, whether we're doing a good job of that and uh, and how other people are trying to approach that same problem. And, and, you know, we're happy to learn from – look, we're – we're not, we don't have a monopoly on good ideas. Whether the idea comes from inside our organization or outside, if we find a good idea, we'll we'll take it and run with it. So. I, I can roll with that. Hey, before we uh, get out of here, one of the other things is we talk about the changing of the game. Spring training has changed a lot, too. And for you, this going into another spring training, what have you seen to be the biggest difference? I, I see where players are better prepared physically. Uh, the, the medical staff seem to be a lot more on top of uh, preparation. But for you, is there anything that you've noticed that's really changed since day one when you first went to your first spring training? Aside from Tommy Pham doing whatever he's doing on those terrifying-looking treadmills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I haven't been around long enough to, like, you know, say back in my day sort of thing, right? I do think players, the focus spent on – being in shape, working out in the off season, you know, working on your speed if you're Tommy Pham, working on gaining weight if you're Luke Weaver, not just weight, but weight and strength. I mean, gaining weight is one thing, but you have to gain good weight. Um, that focus is is definitely something that has is different. You guys come to spring training ready to go. They don't come to spring training to sort of work off of their work off their off season, uh, you know, their their holiday, you know, ten pounds they gained or whatever, right? So. Um, I think that's I think that's been true for a while, but I think it's becomes kind of more true every year. And as we talked about earlier, part of that is uh, you know we're trying to encourage that by making our facility available and and as cl- as state of the art as we can year round, so that guys have a reason to come down early and and start working with our staff, working with our trainers, working with 
you know, our performance department and, and hit the ground running when they when they arrive. I'll leave you with this final question, Mike, and, and I know pressure can be a good thing for anyone, regardless of what you do. Do you feel any extra pressure going into this year, uh, just based on the track record of this club, the expectations uh, of the fan base, and frankly, a two-year drought, which for a lot of clubs – you know, making the playoffs once every couple of years would be a milestone. But for you guys, uh, I know it's a disappointment based on everything that you've done and uh, what your ownership group and your front office has been able to put on the field. So so I think we feel pressure every year to, to be a playoff team, and, and that pressure is our own. We expect to put together a playoff team every year. The pressure is from our fan base who, you know, there's 40,000 people across the street all dressed in red every time we open the gates, and that, that there's pressure associated with that. There's pressure from the history of our organization. I mean, it, it's it, there's an expectation here that that is excellence, that is playoff quality baseball every year. Um, I think certainly we feel pressure to perform this year. I'm not sure that that pressure is any more than it is every other year, um, because every year we expect and are expected to be a playoff team. But yeah, absolutely, there's pressure to there's pressure to get back to the playoffs. That's where we that's where we expect to be. That's where we belong. So. Well, we're excited to get down to uh, warmer weather and start to see this unfold. It's always uh, such a great time. And, my goodness, we talked about social media earlier, the, the thirst that Cardinal fans and your fans have to even watch guys you know, out there playing catch or in the first day of live BP feels like it's almost damn near opening day. So yeah, we no. can't we can't wait to see down in Florida, and we appreciate the time so much tonight. It's always funny when spring training starts with watching adults play catch, but that is the first couple of days. But it's <laughs> still shorts. exciting just because we're outside, yeah. Thank you, sir. We appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. We're back to wrap up Hour 1 of Cardinals Countdown to opening day next right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Thank you to Cardinals General Manager Mike Kirsch for joining us here at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. Really excited to uh, get down to spring training, especially with some of the pitching depth, especially with the new outfield configuration. You know, so much to talk to Mike about, and uh, he was so gracious to be here for the entire hour. And, uh, you know, starting next week, we will have our show from Jupiter each and every week. So can't wait to answer more of your questions and talk more Cardinals baseball. Coming up in our next hour, Jim Hayes from Fox Sports Midwest is going to join us at the top. We'll also visit with Jason Isringhausen back in the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News talks National League Central with us and theme tickets with Martin Coco. That's all coming up on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. We're at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne, Ben Boyd, and Mike Anderson. We're back after this in the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. A swing and a high fly ball. Deep right field. It's a slam. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron. How about the old Uncle Charlie here? The pitch. Swing and a miss. Through the fastball right by him, and he strikes him out for the third time. And that's eight Ks for the Cardinal Hurricane. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Ravey with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren as we get set to head to Jupiter, Florida. We check in with Jim Hayes of Fox Sports Midwest, who joins us now on the program. Jim, how are you, man? What's going on? Uh, I'm just getting ready to to pack and go to spring training, and I want to say right up front because I believe in transparency, but I will be wearing, at times, at times, cargo shorts. Sorry. Sorry, America. You know... You need a lot of pockets for stuff. I, I usually go vest, 
even when it's a little warm, just because, you know, you got to carry a bunch of stuff when you're walking around those back fields watching guys throw free and easy and, and getting scoops and, you know, trying to trying to track down the Microsoft Excel spreadsheet of what everyone's doing. It's a long day. Yeah, yeah, they're long days, and you never know when journalism's going to, you know, pop up. So you better have your notepad and your pen and your uh, recording equipment in case you want to capture some of this news. If you want to take a picture of seven other media guys taking pictures of guys warming up, you better be ready to do that. Well, it'll be next week. Cardinals will be uh, officially working out. And, and, Jim, I'm wondering, I think that a unique aspect of this year is that so much of spring training may be focused on not only guys that aren't Cardinals, but guys that aren't anywhere in baseball because of the free agents who are still unsigned. What a bizarre situation as uh, we are a week away from just about every team in baseball getting underway. Yeah, and that's why when people are saying uh, the Cardinals are done, and they may well be, I just feel like there's got to be another move. You know, if you're a general manager, if you're a president of baseball operations, you don't really want to show your cards to everyone. And I got to believe that uh, I think uh, the, the teams, the ownership, the management are probably onto something when they believe prices are going to fall. Um, because I, I just don't think uh, at present everyone's going to get what they were expecting to in terms of free agent. And as you know, some free agents get signed and rosters are set, and then other trades open up in other places, and then the shorter term guys sign. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of movement, and I think the Cardinals will get another piece uh, to to uh, make sure that they they have enough. I, I you know I look at the bullpen, sure that could use a piece, and you know I, to me I, I've had this discussion a lot. I, if if Reyes is in fact in the starting rotation, which I've heard. That's what they're leaning toward at this point, even though earlier uh, in the offseason they were saying possibly bullpen. But he'll be a late starter wherever he goes if they you know, choose to get him going. And in the beginning of May, mid-May, end of May, they're going to be a little shorthanded. That means the rotation, I think, could use added depth, and certainly the bullpen can use help. And I, I think they're going to address that. Yeah, I just think pitching in general, whether you bring in – you know, a closer type like Greg Holland, if you bring in another starting pitcher and it leads to more competition, like you're going to have to deal with injuries. You're going to have to deal with inconsistency. I just think that, um, you know, as the old as the old adage goes, you can never have enough pitching. And, and we've certainly seen that over the last few springs as this club is concerned. That's why when people hit me with, well, who would you take out of the rotation? It's not up to me. It's up to what happens in spring training. And something always does. That's how I look at it. I agree. It seems every year someone's either not ready, someone gets hurt, Someone hasn't gotten it locked in and needs more time. We see that time after time, and I'm all for having extra depth, and, and I know they have options, and, and they could be good options, but it's mostly unproven younger players that I think could benefit from not being rushed to the forefront. So that's why I'm hoping they, they get another piece somewhere. And, again, I think Reyes is going to be fine this year. I know they'll limit his innings, but uh, that's a guy I think will be a number one starter. I, I, I'm totally all in on Reyes. How surprised are you that um, we've talked about, you know, who's still out there, but the fact that Lance Lynn uh, is is one of those guys and that there hasn't really been any chatter about uh, his options or potentially where he could end up, and even as far as the Cardinals are concerned. Well, I had asked him because there was a report someone tweeted, you know, a few weeks ago that the Cardinals had talked to Lance Lynn, and Lynn said that that's not true. His guys haven't talked to the Cardinals, and that's still a couple of weeks ago, so if something has changed since then, uh, I apologize. But Lynn knew going in there were other guys in front of him, possibly Jake Arietta, you know, 
what's going to be with with uh, Darvish. So, you know, there, there's guys that are waiting for other guys to to either get offered or make a move. And I think teams are too. So, right now, it's just one big stalemate. I think Lance Lynn will get his. I think if if uh, someone like Arietta is looking for five years, which I heard he is, might not get that. But they're all going to get paid. They're all going to get signed, and it's all going to be worth a lot of money. It, it just might not meet their expectations. I, I just heard the other day that uh, uh, Hosmer is looking for a nine-year contract. <laughs> and, he's, and this could oh, be it's gone up, huh? <laughs> well, you know, you know how the game is played, that an agent says, oh, we have this. doesn't mean it's true. You know, he's trying to get the, the best angle for his uh, client. So supposedly they have seven, they want more. Well, if that's the case, then you look at that. And, and again, I'm not hearing it that someone had written that or I'd you know, seen, but it was a legitimate guy. But if that's, if that's the case, well, maybe that's too long. Maybe that is too much. But I do think eventually these things fall into place and you know, some guys will find teams and then other guys will and someone like Lance Lynn will get his. And, and somewhere in that mix, I'm I'm, I'm hoping that the Cardinals can get an, an added piece out of it. Well, and then there's a report on the flip side of that from Ken Rosenthal yesterday that J.D. Martinez is telling people that he's fed up with the Red Sox and he may just go elsewhere. Well, I mean, if I were him, that's where I'd want to go. <laughs> I think that's where the money is. But, again, to say you're fed up or is that something that your agent said might help uh, help you guys navigate into the deal you want, I, I'm not sure what's theater and and what's reality. And honestly, right now, unless you're talking to the player firsthand, you don't know that. I'm I'm not saying he's being dishonest. I'm just saying I'm not sure which is for effect and which isn't. So I don't don't know what to believe at this point. I am surprised it's taken this long, but I think we're going to start seeing guys during spring training, you know, falling into place. One guy goes there, another guy goes there, and eventually it will sort itself out, I believe. Jim, in terms of uh, what the Cardinals do have in the outfield, which uh, will apparently look like Marcelo Zuna in left, uh, Tommy Pham in center, and Dexter Fowler in right, just how different and how much more of an impact do you think that outfield can make with not just the addition of Ozuna, but also moving Pham to center and, and Dexter to right field? I love Pham in center, and I think his upside is ridiculous, not only defensively, but uh, offensively. And you know him like I do. I mean, when people say hardworking guy, I mean, when you talk to the Cardinals, they all say, look, Pham's the real deal. Matt Carpenter, who prides himself on, you know, being the first guy to the ballpark and all that, said he's never seen someone work harder than Tommy Pham. I think for Dexter, I think there's some pressure taken off him. Uh, He can be in right, and I don't think he'll feel the expectations with the addition of Ozuna. But then when you look at, you know, an Ozuna, he's coming off a, a huge season, you know, his best season. So he'll have to replicate that. Tommy Pham will have to replicate or perhaps build on what he did last year. And then, you know, you have a guy like DeYoung at shortstop. I believe he can replicate it and will replicate it. But when, you know, folks look at this team, I think offensively they look good. But, again, there are questions. Can these guys do what they did last year? If they do or if they build on it, the Cardinals offensively will be just fine. And I like the way that, that uh, outfield stacks up defensively. You know, Zuna's been a, a gold glove guy. We've seen what Sam can do. And I think some of the pressure of uh, Dexter will help as well. Jim, finally, are you uh, looking forward to seeing how the new coaching staff integrates itself and, and seeing how uh, not just the addition of Willie McGee and Mike Maddox, the return of Jose Okendo, and also another year under Mike Schilt can, can help Mike Matheny and help this club? No question about it. And I think the guys they brought in, Maddox is great. I think having Willie 
McGee around is great. But, you know, when you talk to the players, they they all say having Okendo around is huge. You know, almost like that's, you know, an addition in terms of the roster. And I'm not, try, I'm not trying to go back to that, you know, oh, they – you know, they, they didn't get a player. They're saying, okay, what I'm saying is that the addition of Okendo is huge. And talking to the players from everything, you know, guys talking about positioning in the infield, guys talking about helping with base running, they all say to a man, Okendo is one of the few coaches in, in Major League Baseball that can tell a superstar player he's wrong and he's got to stop it. He's got that kind of cachet, and that can only help this team. Jim Hayes of Fox Sports Midwest. Appreciate the time, man, and uh, look forward to seeing you next week down in Florida. All right, maybe we'll go get uh, a sandwich. Let's do it. Hey, Cards fans, treat your sweetheart to dinner and a Cardinals game with all-inclusive tickets featuring excellent seats, a full buffet, and complimentary bar service. This week-only games in May are available starting at just $65. Get your all-inclusive tickets today at cardinals.com. Thank you to Jim. We'll talk theme tickets with Martin Coco next on Cardinals Countdown to opening day, presented by Ameren and the Cardinals Radio Network. Martin Coco, the Director of Ticket Sales and Marketing for the Cardinals, joins us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Theme tickets on sale right now for the 2018 season, and they're selling well. Martin, how are you, man? Doing great. Doing great. Glad to be with you. Well, we are very excited about so many of the returning theme favorites, so many of the new theme ticket events that you guys have coming up in 2018. Let's start with uh, some of the returning favorites. Walk us through a couple of the most popular theme ticket evenings that you guys are excited to bring back to the fans that folks can find right now at cardinals.com slash theme. Definitely, and I'll take you a step back even uh, before that, Chris, and uh, just remind people that uh, theme tickets are different than the gate promotion giveaways. You don't get the item when you walk in like our bobbleheads and some of our popular promotions. This is a more targeted promotion where we have a, a specific theme for a night, and you have to buy a special ticket in order to get either the specialty item or, in some cases, access to the pregame event, those kind of things. And so we've been doing this for uh, – this will be the fifth year uh, that theme tickets have been around, and every year it continues to grow, and we keep finding more fun uh, – angles and more fun themes to go after so uh but of course we we always want to bring back the the most popular ones from previous years and none of those uh, are more popular or sell more tickets than star wars night um fans who might have seen that in the past or been at the ballpark when we do a star wars night it's uh there's always a cool uh promotional item that's tied to it but then we have uh in most cases around 40 or more uh costume characters from Lucasfilm who are around the ballpark for photo ops and we turn the uh in game experience on the scoreboard and in between innings all Star Wars themed and uh so it's it's quite a quite a fun evening at the ballpark uh beyond just what's happening on the field. Yeah and you got a cool giveaway for Star Wars night this year, don't you? Again, uh, a unique promo item or pregame event with the purchase of a special theme ticket. Yeah, we've done uh, a Star Wars Cardinals theme T-shirt the first three or four years that we've done it. This year, we're upgrading the uh, the item to a jersey, so uh, it's a black uh, Cardinals jersey. And the the cool thing is, uh, it's got the birds on the front just like the regular jersey, except instead of a bat, the birds are uh, perched on a, a Star Wars lightsaber. So we're kind of uh, blending the two things, uh, Cardinals and Star Wars, there and. 
Uh, we're got, getting a lot of great feedback so far on it, but folks really think it's cool. I know that Margaritaville Night has also been uh, so popular for you guys like Star Wars fans, another rabid fan base. You know, uh, we've had a lot of success with uh, the uh, adding sort of a pregame concert element to these uh, theme nights and uh, with the music theme. So uh, Margaritaville has, has definitely been our most popular with uh, all the parrot heads out in force. And you get a, a cool Cardinals parrot head T-shirt, and uh, we have a, a Jimmy Buffett tribute band playing before the game. But we've expanded it over the years, uh, and there's several that um, uh, we'll bring back this year. We do a Beatles tribute night, um, and uh, we've added a new one. I know jumping a little ahead to talk about new uh, theme nights, we'll have an Elvis tribute night this year. So those are a lot of fun because uh, with our new area, the Budweiser Terrace up in right field, it's a really cool pregame event area so folks can show up early, get their specialty item, and enjoy a, uh, a themed pregame concert before the game. And uh, you also uh, have the Bud Bash Nights, the meet and greet, the bobblehead, uh, as well with some of the great Cardinal alumni. And you guys have an incredible list of alumni that are coming back for these Bud Bash Nights this year, Martin. Yeah, we've been doing those for a few years, and it's really fun to to run through all the favorite players from the past. Uh, some years in the past, we've had a theme like uh, great players from some of our championship teams, but this year we we decided to get rid of the theme and just go with players that we know are have been popular over the years with fans. So over the six months of the season, we'll do one of those a month. Uh, and some guys who are coming back to be a part of that include Ray Lankford, Scott Rowland, Larry Walker, uh, and, and a few other guys. Wow. So um, it's it's really neat for fans to uh, to uh, you get a bobblehead, of course, but then when you uh, there's a VIP option where you can pay a little bit more uh, than than the regular ticket, and you, and you get to be at an autograph session with that player as well. All right, go to cardinals.com/theme theme tickets on sale now. And, uh, again, some of your favorites, including Star Wars Night, Margaritaville Night, the Bud Bash, Mizzou Night and Illini Night, uh, Camo X Day with a really cool talking microphone, statue giveaway, some new nights like Elvis Night, 80s Night, and then some great new surprises I know will be on the way throughout the season. Martin Coco, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Hey, glad to be with you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Missing baseball season, Cardinals Nation in Ballpark Village is open seven days a week. We're there tonight. Stop by for a bite to eat or relive some of the Cardinals' greatest moments by going through the Cardinals Museum. For more information, visit cardinalsnation.com. When we come back, Jason Isringhausen, he's hoping that he could be enshrined in the Cardinals Hall of Fame just above Cardinals Nation in August. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren and the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Great to have Jason Isringhausen join us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Is he, of course, a part of the Cardinals Hall of Fame vote, presented by Edward Jones? You can go to cardinals.com slash HOF beginning on March 1st to vote for the new class that will be inducted on August 18th at Ballpark Village. Izzy, what's going on, man? Hey, how are you? Just uh, running dead taxi today. That's about it. (laughs) I understand, man. Uh, congratulations, first of all, on, uh, again, appearing on the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. It, it's got to be so cool to join such a great group of your peers and uh, fellow Cardinal alum on this ballot and to know that Cardinal fans are uh, going to once again have a say into who's going to be inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame in August. Yeah, I mean, it, whenever your name's uh, involved with uh, a certain, you know, 
a group of guys, especially uh, for the quality of guys that that we have this year on the ballot. It's always fun. Uh, hopefully, uh, I guess uh, third time may be a charm. We'll see how it goes. But uh, one way or the other, you know, it's always a good thing to, to be, uh, like I said, involved in this kind of uh, an event. Uh, and hopefully one day I get to put on that red jacket with uh, with the guys up on the on the stage. What uh, stands out most, Izzy, uh, about those years, not just the success on the field, but off the field, your teammates and, and some of the memorable moments as a Cardinal? We know about all of the numbers, but uh, aside from, you know, the eye-popping numbers, the franchise leading 217 saves, what else stands out most to you about your time as a Cardinal? Uh, you know what? The friendships that I formed throughout the years, um, a lot of people don't realize it, and uh, we kind of stress it to people that have done it before, is once you put on the that bird's on the bat, you become part of the family. And that goes from, you know, a guy that's still around all the time, Red Shandies, to the newest member, you know, a rookie from last year. I mean, now you're part of a fraternity that no one can ever take away from you. And, um, you know, you become friends with these guys. I mean, I'm good friends with Red. I've hunted with Red. Uh, and that goes from the the oldest guy to one of the you know to the youngest guys that I'm hoping that I'm helping coach now in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, there's a wide uh, a wide span of ages there, but uh, there's always something to learn from everybody. And being able to hang out with the guys like Ozzy and Willie and and Jose and Tony, and then you go on. I mean, you can go on for hours with the guys and then the stories that we've had and the stories that we shared and. Uh, learning from guys like Bruce Suter, how to deal with things. And uh, it's just, uh, like I said, it's a pretty tight family, and uh, we always try to give back to the next generation. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was down at Fantasy Camp a couple of weeks ago. You guys had that closers panel with you and, and Bruce Suter and El Rabowski and, and Tom Hankey. And just to hear the stories and, and to hear you guys even now still pick each other's brains, and I'm sure for you in a coaching role now as – you're going to be, uh, you know, part of the minor league staff, the minor league pitching instructor. Uh, just the willingness of guys to still give back and, and share their knowledge is a pretty incredible thing. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's kind of like the way we tell each other is, you know, the game has given us so much, and it's, it's a shame. It would be a shame if we weren't trying to give it back to what we've learned to the next generation. And that's all I'm trying to do. I learned a lot from guys ahead of me, and I'm just trying to spread that word to the younger guys now and. Uh, just prepare them what's what lies ahead of them, you know, in the game of baseball and, and, and life on and off the field. And uh, it seems to be working out pretty good. We're, we're getting some guys that are coming up to the big leagues that have good heads on their shoulders. And, uh, you know, it, it, this new social media thing makes it hard for these kids <laughs> to stay out of trouble, but we're doing a pretty good job of it. Yeah, what excites you about your new role, uh, Izzy, as, as you're now the minor league pitching instructor? Well, it's – I don't know. I, I, I try to explain to people that it's the same thing I've been doing for the last few years, but Mr. Mosaic fame finally gave me a title. So now, <laughs> I'm a, now I'm official. So now I have to really watch what I'm doing. So, uh, But more than anything, like I said, uh, just trying to give these guys some information and give them some tools to prepare them for, like, on the field situation. But then again, you know, we want them to become good men off the field. Uh, we do a lot, as you know, and when in the organization, we do a lot off the field and in the community, and uh, we want these kids to be able to, to go out and represent, represent themselves and the Cardinals organization well. Can you put your finger on why both the pitching side and also the position side, uh, the Cardinals have such a track record of bringing guys up through the system. There's a consistent message. There seems to be consistent teaching 
And I know for a lot of clubs, young guys come up in August or September and maybe you're 20 games out of the hunt and you're out of it and fans are getting a look at the next crop of players. But for the Cardinals, it's guys that maybe sometimes the media or fans aren't talking about at the beginning of the year. They're coming up in big-time situations in, in playoff races every single season. Yeah, and that's I think we pride ourselves. I know the organization, the front offices, is, you know, they pride themselves on being able to bring up these guys that can contribute. I mean, it's one thing to bring them up when they're just trying to showcase them and we're 20 games out, but like you're saying, but, you know, we're bringing kids up and they have to perform and perform well, and we have a pretty good track record of that, and I think it's, um, you know, that, that bodes well for our organizational coaches that we have in the minor leagues. We have a great group of coaches, and they do things the right way, um, you know, and it's it's it served us well. I mean, I know it's, it's hard for the fans sometimes to, uh, you know, pull their hair out when the organization is not going out and spending the money on the free agents, but um, we have a lot of faith in our kids, and we have to keep, keep putting faith in our kids because that's how we grow as an organization. Are you surprised in what's going on around baseball right now and the amount of players that are still sitting out there as free agents and may even start their own potentially spring training camp here in a week or so <laughs> if they're unsigned? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you see these things on the on the baseball networks and things of the team that they could put together with the free agents, and it's uh, it's something. It's something that I'm glad I didn't have to go through, but it's not like it's just one or two guys. It's a whole group of them. And, you know, I do believe that um, the gentleman that that's, uh, got traded from Kansas City, Oakland, Brandon Moss, said it best. Uh, I do think that the players agreed to this in the in the collecting and bargaining agreement, and it's coming back to bite some people in the butt. Um, but I do also believe that you know the best players are still out there, and I think I think they're going to drive the prices down a little bit. And I do think these guys will get signed, and it may be in the spring training, it may be in the beginning of the season. But uh, teams that want to compete and win a title need these players, so they'll get signed. Jason, uh, before we let you go again, this will uh, be voted on by the fans. Cardinals.com slash HOF. You can begin voting, fan voting on March the 1st to pick the two Cardinals that will be inducted on August 18th into the Cardinals Hall of Fame at Ballpark Village. Your favorite memory of the fans, and I know you still uh, have so many interactions in and around St. Louis with Cardinals fans, but when you think about Cardinal Nation, the fans that you played against, that now root on the players that you're helping groom, that, that wear the birds on the bat, uh, what are some of your favorite memories? Uh, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to I mean put it into one sentence. But I mean, for all the years that I was here, the support that we got, the amount of people that came out every night that see a red, um, it's something that not every player gets to go through for amount of years that I played in St. Louis. You know, people just don't realize how dedicated and how the fans of St. Louis love their baseball. Uh, they're very, uh, they're very smart fans. They know a lot about the players. They're not just there, uh, fair weather fans. I mean, they're there through thick and thin, and um, you know they're there to cheer. They're there to boo. They have that right to do that. And some of us have been on both ends of it, which is great. Um, but you know, when when we're winning, they're there with us, and we're losing, they're there, and they make sure they that we hear that they're there. And uh, it's just best fans in the world i mean we've we've said it from day one i think anybody that's ever played here can say that uh that they're the best fans in the world and uh i just i'm here to, to say it again 
Jason Isringhausen again on the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot, cardinals.com slash HOF, beginning on March 1st. Izzy, appreciate the time, man, and we'll see you down in Jupiter. You got it. We'll see you soon. Hey, Cards fan, treat your sweetheart to dinner at a Cardinals game with all-inclusive tickets featuring excellent seats, a full buffet, and complimentary bar service. This week, only games in May are available starting at just $65. Get your all-inclusive tickets today at cardinals.com. Ryan Fagan joins us next to talk the National League Central Outlook on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals countdown to opening day continues. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. And it is great to welcome Ryan Fagan from Sporting News to join us. Put together a piece looking at the National League Central contenders. You can read it sportingnews.com right now. Matching up the Cubs, Cardinals, and Brewers position by position. Ryan, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you doing today, man? We're doing really well. Pitchers and catchers will be reporting teams in about a week. We'll be working out down on the field. And, uh, uh, man, I guess as far as moves are concerned over the last couple of weeks, it's been the Milwaukee Brewers in the headlines uh, mostly around all the baseball. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't think anyone imagined a scenario where the Brewers would be the single most active team on the entire hot-stove season. But that's almost what's happened. I mean, it's been such a strange offseason. I mean, we're, we're to the point where, I mean, and the Yankees are trading for Russell Wilson and the Orioles can't trade Manny Machado. I don't think that's a storyline anyone thought would happen. But, you know, with the lack of uh, – I mean, we've seen a couple trades, but with the lack of free agent signings, it's really been a strange offseason. We're trying to figure out why, and you've seen some sniping back and forth between agents and owners and the MLB Players Association. It's been it's been an odd offseason. Ryan, when you look at Milwaukee – They've got a little bit of a surplus of outfielders. I mean, they really have moved to the front of the pack as far as the division is concerned. One of the concerns, though, I'm sure they have is still pitching. So with that said, are they still in the market for a front-line pitcher? And obviously they've got a couple of guys that they could possibly move. Yeah, Mike, I think they they have to be. You know, I mean, I, I thought when you look at their outfield, they had a good outfield. With Santana, a guy who hit 30 home runs, is, a, is an everyday guy, young, cost-controlled. I really thought when they announced that they had picked up or traded for Christian Yelich and gave Lorenzo Cain the $80 million, I really expected in the next day or two to announce a corresponding move to add something to that rotation. They made a couple of signings for the rotation, Jules Chassin and Giovanni Gallardo. And, you know, I mean, best-case scenario, those guys turn into a number four starter this year that they really need more than that if they're going to compete legitimately over 162 games with the Cardinals and the Cubs and the NL Central. They have to have more rotation than they have right now. I love what Chase Anderson is. I like what Zach Davies is. Um, Jimmy Nelson was great last year until he got hurt. I think it's asking a lot to count on him coming back in midseason and picking up right where he left off. Um, and the thing is, there there are lots of options out there. You know, normally if if you get into this point of the off season and you're looking for pitchers, you're trying to get creative. But now, you know they've been connected to you, Darvish. You know people have connected the dots with Jake Arrieta. They still make a lot of sense for a guy like Lance Lynn, a guy like Alex Cobb. And there's so many options out there right now that um, you know even though Brewers fans are mildly panicking a little bit, I'm sure the front office is trying to uh, slow play this the best they can. You know, Ryan, outside of uh, the top of the rotation, and, and you give the edge at SportingNews.com to the Cubs, as far as rotation depth, 
And then outside of Corey Kinable from the Brewers in the ninth inning, the rest of the bullpen, you give the edge to the Cardinals as well, assuming Alex Reyes comes back. So what do you like about the Cardinals' rotation depth and also about what they have in the bullpen right now? Well, I think when you look at, when you're comparing the, the Cardinals, Cubs, and, and Brewers, the rotation, I, when you look at the three, four, five guys, I mean, the Cardinals have good options at three, four, five. You know, depending on how things play out, if, if when Alex Reyes comes back, if you know he goes to the bullpen as expected, or they try to work him into that spot at some point, if if injuries necessitate it. But they have options; they have good options in those positions. Whereas the Cubs are still kind of looking, the Brewers, as we talked about, are kind of looking, and it's almost the same way with the bullpen. You know, even though uh, I'm not sure Luke Gregerson is the answer in the ninth inning. Um, they have other options. You, know, you can see Tyler Lyons becoming that guy if they finally give him a chance to be a, a, a regular in the ninth inning. Alex Reyes could be that guy. But they have a lot of hard throwers in that bullpen, guys who can handle the sixth, seventh, eighth innings. And I think they're in better position as far as bullpen depth than especially the Brewers, but also the Cubs as well, even though they don't have um, you know, the lockdown guy in the ninth like the Brewers do with Knable or the Cubs think they do with Brandon Morrow if he stays healthy. Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News is with us. And, Ryan, uh, this is a division of the haves and the have-nots. Yes. Why did Pittsburgh surrender? I think that's the, the question that everyone in Pittsburgh is screaming right now. What was what happened? What was going on? Why didn't you maximize? You know, I mean, we, we've talked about it. It felt like we talked about what are they going to do with Andrew McCutcheon for years. But even before, you know, he was – imminently going to be traded they said okay well this problem is coming up down the road you have to decide what you're going to do and i understand that they felt like they didn't want to give him three years ago they understand they didn't want to give him the extension that it would have taken to lock him up but the way that they played it out the fact that his last couple years they weren't a 92 win team 93 win team and then they wound up why didn't wind up trading him away and they didn't get nearly as much as they could have got for him, even at the All-Star break, or the trade deadline last year, or the last offseason. It has to be frustrating for Brewers fans because I mean, we're talking about Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, this is a guy that I think everyone in baseball has a tremendous amount of respect for. And if you're looking, and I wrote this when they traded him, if you were looking for a guy to build your franchise around, not just an on-the-field player, but an off-field player, and what he means to the community – I mean, Andrew McCutcheon is on my short list. I mean, he might probably, he would probably be the guy I would have picked to have his prime in my city if I was an owner. And to have his last couple years there be underwhelming from a team perspective and then not getting another franchise type guy in return, that, that has to be frustrating, I'm sure, for Pittsburgh fans. Ryan, let's uh, zip around to some of the other positions that you detail in your piece at sportingnews.com. And you like the Cardinals outfield. You like the Cardinals yeah. outfield a lot, specifically left field with Marcelo Zuna, right field with Dexter Fowler, and then in center field with Tommy Pham just, just, just getting edged by Lorenzo Kane. Not just the addition of Ozuna, but what does the realignment of putting Pham in center and moving Fowler over to right do for the Cardinals? It makes it, it makes it a great group. I mean, it really does. You know, I keep hearing people talk about the Cardinals in their offseason and saying, well, they haven't done much. Well, that's not that's not accurate. Maybe they haven't done as much as Cardinals fans would have liked or as we thought that they possibly could do. But, I mean, Marcelo Zuma is a huge pickup. I mean, outside of, uh, of you know, Stanton, he's the best hitter that really has traded teams this year in terms of a, of a, of a trade. And, really, he's – He's a bigger addition than even a J.D. Martinez would have been to the lineup, I think, 
can, all things considered. So you add him to that mix, and you've got Tommy Pham. And, and what Tommy Pham did last year, considering he didn't get called up um, into well into the season, he's the type of guy who could be one of the two or three best center fielders in the National League. Now, you don't have as much certainty with him necessarily because he only did it for one year, uh, as, you, as the Brewers do with Lorenzo Cain, and that's why I gave Cain the slight edge in the positional rankings. But, I mean, we're talking about, you know, just a, a, a tiny, tiny margin between the two. And, and I really I think that the chance for Pam to have an MVP season type season is better than the chance for, for Kane to have an MVP type season. But you look at, at those two guys and then Dexter Fowler, what he did last year, if he can stay healthy this year, you know, I think the Cardinals have a chance to have, you know, not just the best outfield in the NL Central, but one of the better ones in the entire entire baseball. When you look at the Cardinals and you look at the Brewers and the Cubs, who has the strongest position overall where you feel like, okay, this is what's going to get them to October? You know, when you look at, at the, the Cubs on the infield, when you're looking at the corners and you have guys like Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, regulars, and the MVP balloting, obviously – Bryant has one under his belt. Rizzo, you know, has been a top five regular. Then you have still Javi, Javi Baez. We haven't seen the best of Javi Baez. We've seen classes of the best of Javi Baez, but if he can put together a full season, he's in that MVP conversation. You know, Addison Russell, yeah, I still like what he is. It feels like we've been talking about Addison Russell for a long, long time now, but he's still just 24 years old, and he still has a lot of power. He can be that guy if he stays healthy. And if you're talking about the best unit, is it, you know, the Brewers, front of the bullpen is it the Cardinals outfield is it the Cubs infield I think it's the Cubs infield um, but they still have questions in the rotation and the depth of the bullpen so I don't I might give the, the Cubs a slight advantage in there but I wouldn't say they're you know, by any chance the far and away favorite in that division you can read Ryan Fagan at sportingnews.com check out all of his breakdowns on the Cardinals Cubs and Brewers and also follow him throughout college basketball and Major League Baseball season Follow him on Twitter as well, at Ryan Fagan. Ryan, appreciate the time, man. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy it. Thanks, guys. Follow the Cardinals in style this coming season with a subscription to Cardinals Magazine. Sign up today and receive two free tickets, all for just $35. Order now at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash magazine. Back to wrap things up in a moment on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Let's give away six ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2018 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament, March 1st through the 4th. For more information on the Missouri Valley Conference games, visit archmadness.com. We'll give away that six-pack of ticket vouchers right now to Caller 5 at 314-531-1120. All right, thank you to all of our guests tonight. Mike Gersh that joined us live over at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. The Cardinals general manager getting us ready for spring training to open next week. Thank you also to Jim Hayes, Jason Isringhausen, Ryan Fagan, and Martin Coco. Thank you to my co-host, Mike Claiborne. Looking forward to joining Claibs down in Florida. We will be with you live next Wednesday. Our executive producer is Ben Boyd, Mike Anderson, back here in our Cardinals Network studios. I'm Chris Raby saying have a great rest of your night and week. We'll talk to you next week from Florida on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.